Welcome to An Uneducated Guess. Where three nobodies from the PCA sit around and talk. What do you get when you put together a layman, a seminarian, and a ruling elder? You get an uneducated guess. Welcome to the show. I'm Presby Bard. With me tonight is my colleague at Gear Hardest B. Say hello. Hello, hello. It's one of your best intros yet. It was good. That was so good. That was so good. You could tell he was. He had to hold the microphone away from his face so that he didn't uh, go jump in too early. Also with me tonight, the one and only at Bourbon Ghost. What's going on? How you doing, guys? Well, I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing good. A little tired. You've been working good. on the new house? Yeah. Been posting about this on Twitter? Yeah. I, I, I've been telling everybody I've been trying to work on the house, and then everybody comes by to want to see it, and then I just end up playing pool for like an hour or two. Man, are you good at pool? I mean, I'm... I'm not bad. I'm not good. I'm bad. I'm not good at pool. I really want to be good at pool because I I really like playing. I've just never played it that much. Yeah. Um, our mutual friend is like really good at pool. Yeah. He could probably smoke me. We I mean, I'm to, okay. Yeah. He he's I don't, he doesn't play it anymore, but like he used to be like really good. Yeah. Are you gonna get at pool? Yeah. PG. I mean, gear hardest. Yeah. I'd say I'm pretty good. Huh. That's that's too bad. I'm really I've not won, good. I've won ping like pong five was dollars before. Ping pong was my thing in college. I got really into ping pong i played a ton excuse me table tennis <laughs> played a ton of table tennis you can tell people as i said i got really into yeah. ping pong there's somebody listening it's yeah. like okay obviously he's not we he actually called it ping pong what, there was like a huge room like a janitor's closet at my school in like my senior year we convinced the principal to let us clean it out and if we cleaned it out we could put a ping pong table in there that's awesome so senior year like during you know when Everybody's just kind of cutting up and stuff. We'd be in there playing ping pong and stuff. So before we get into in too deep into any other topics tonight, um, I want to say something quite serious before we get to, but I just want to at least, you know, say it out loud and everything. I think we're all in agreement. Pretty scary news earlier today that Ron Paul had possibly had a stroke. Yeah. He actually had a stroke, or if, if that's what it was, we don't know at the time, like live on air. I saw the video and didn't know what I was watching. And I really wish I had not seen it. Was it that bad? Yes, like it was. It was really bad. Like it was very disturbing, especially just because you, you know, yeah. Th- there's not. I don't think there's a person that I know that I one of these people, whether you want to call him a celebrity or just like people you don't know, but that you know that you don't, but you don't actually you've never met them. Yeah. I don't know if there's another person that would make me as sad as you know him dying. Yeah. That it will whenever he dies. You know, I mean, he's an old old guy. He's probably eighty at least. Right he's now. shaped and, so many of us ideologically. Yeah, he, he's just such a big deal. Yeah. He's just. Yeah. And he's such a. He's just such a genuine Christian principled <laughs> man. He's. I was actually um, <laughs> texting earlier today with uh, Frank Capistan, and we were talking about it was before this too. That's what was a little weird as far as simulation stuff. This was like at eight o'clock today, way before the way before this happened with Ron Paul, and he said this in a text, and I told him I was going to read this on the podcast because it was too good not to read. Uh, He said, uh, while Big Eva lectures us about character and race and claim it's time for a third option, they rejected Ron Paul, the Republican primary candidate whose personal life most qualified him for eldership precisely because he opposed the bipartisan, indiscriminate bombing of brown-skinned people. Absolutely. (laughs) Which is a very, very good succinct yeah. way to like talk about like Ron Paul and I don't use this lightly 
is a straight up bad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he seems to be doing better. He posted something later on Twitter, like from the hospital bed, that he's doing okay. So I haven't seen anything else. But you know, I don't want to keep the the tone of the podcast too solemn. But you know, I think he's doing better. Praying for him. I hope he's, he's doing better. I hope he stays up as long. So he stays with us. You know, as long as he possibly can, because mm-hmm. he's he's still putting out good stuff. We talked about him a few yeah. weeks ago. How he was way ahead of this COVID stuff. That the rest of us, I shouldn't have doubted him, and I did. But anyway. Prayers for Ron Paul. I hope he's, hope and he, he's okay. He has a something at the Mises Institute coming up in like. It's actually not at the institute. It's actually it's at like it's in Texas. Okay. Yeah, I saw that because I actually looked into. I looked at it thinking, oh, we could all go to that. Yeah, but I did. We can we can move move on. I just wanted to to mention that in the in the meantime. Have any of y'all ever had any sort of celebrity death actually affect you a little bit? I was I was actually I had a discussion about this today with some coworkers. Um, I don't think I have so far. I can think of a few that will probably affect me. Yeah, which is weird, but, but yeah. you know, it's it happens. I mean, it depends on what you mean by effect. To like just like make me sad. Like I'm not gonna go into. I would say Robin Williams made me sad when I found out. Like it wasn't depression, but yeah. it made me sad. Yeah, for me, it, I'm what I don't. Uh, this may be more what you're talking about. I'm talking about more like you'll actually be like bummed out, not like, sad. For, like oh man, that's a tragic thing. Yeah, but more like like bummed out. Like you feel close to them even though yeah you don't know them but you yeah. just like ron paul will definitely be one of them yeah i don't think i've had it i think i've had maybe more what you're talking about like with robin williams philip seymour hoffman where it was just like one of those things where it kind of felt like we're gonna miss out on some stuff with with him not here like i, I really there's not many there's like those two even like I, I was never a kobe fan but just there was something the kobe about, one was sad kobe was sad. yeah it yeah, was kobe weird was sad kobe it was, was weird sad. yeah that yeah, was sad. for sure yeah that was that was one because that's a that's definitely we're not quite at that age yet, but um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, <laughs> she was not one. I don't make a <laughs> habit of mourning the death of tyrants. Um, but been a lot of stuff happened while we recorded the podcast. Yeah, and they've like that, like that happened. Breaking the news live, broke yeah. as I mean, we that's were a good thing. I mean, I don't know. I guess we're waging war against the principalities. It's a simulation. Yeah, it's yeah, it's obviously the principalities. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I feel like the main topic that's going around in 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 Eva circles right now, especially Eva Twitter, um, right now is the Psalm Sing arrests in Moscow, mm-hmm. Idaho. Would you agree? Yes. Would somebody? Does anybody know the actual details of what happened with that? Or like, I do not. Okay, I don't either. I haven't. I, I, I saw the videos that, and in, in the sense that I don't know why they were the people that were arrested were singled out. No, no, I just mean in general, like the events that sur- are surrounding, like what, it was a so psalm So they went scene. to the courthouse or the, you know, some yeah. some public building, you know, state house or something, to psalm sing. I mean, it was organized, it was a planned, like, protest type yeah. thing where they were going to psalm sing. Um, they were singing psalms. I had, like I said, there were a lot of people not wearing masks, mm-hmm. like almost everybody there wasn't. Yeah. And so just for the audience, basically Moscow, Idaho, you know, Doug Wilson's church, Christ, it's Christ Church, right? Yes, Christ Church. Um, they um, went to, you know, City Hall or whatever of Moscow, the city of Moscow, and they had a psalm sing protest. Uh, some people were arrested. One of the cross-politic guys yeah, was Gabriel arrested. Yeah, Gabriel Ranch. Right? Okay. Well, he was running for county commissioner, too. Not that, right. that I don't think that those are linked. I mean, I've followed Gabe for a pretty long time. I don't think that he did that for yeah. to get votes or anything yeah. like that. But He's what, a, what, is that why he was arrested, though? Um, Maybe. But 
I don't know. It looked like more than just him was arrested. Yeah. You know, it but, it, like, but it looked like just a few. And what's weird to me, like I don't know how they decided, yeah, who got arrested. I'd like to know more about that. Um, it does not seem. I mean, they obviously nothing was ever on video of anybody like resisting or obviously yeah. none stink. of us have any problems with no. what they did. No. Okay, so the question then becomes, how I've seen Christian after Christian on Twitter criticizing them. Saying essentially that some that they're not even Christian, at the worst. But then a lot of people saying blah blah blah. Romans thirteen, man. First Peter, obey the civil authorities. Yeah, like this is some kind of. It's the same. I mean, it's the same tropes most people trot out when anything. You know, I think the thing that's most frustrating about me, and I may have said, or to me, and I may have said said as much on the podcast before. I can't remember exactly, but is that how to apply Romans thirteen is is obviously a conscience issue mm-hmm. right like there's no explicit like it doesn't give you step-by-step instructions it just sort of gives you a philosophy guideline to live by and so we all agree it applies but we don't know how it applies and so again one of the things i lobby for is to give each other grace and especially talking about christian on christian we should be very slow to slander our brothers and sisters in christ uh and just let people act on their conscience, you know, and, and then it's up to them. You know, it's not, it's not our place to, to go back and forth about this. If it is a, if it is a thing of conscience, which just, this seems to be to me. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Honestly, in a lot of ways, it just feels like it validates what we've kind of thought about them because we knew where they stood. Mm -hmm. And now that something like this, it's so in your face. Yeah. I I stand with Moscow, Idaho. And then I would also uh, just say this, um, if we look at, I have my Bible open, plus, I, or actually, uh, Presby Bard's Bible open in my <laughs> iPad. If we look at James 4, 9, um, specifically, I'll, well, I'll start in 10. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil of one another, brothers. The one who speaks evil of a brother, or judges his brother, speaks evil of the law, and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of the law. There is one lawgiver and a judge who is able to save and destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Specifically, James talking about the context of the church. But even more, so so immediately we see we're not supposed to speak evil of other brothers. If we have something against another Christian, whether it be a male or a female, we go to that person one on one. If they don't hear us, we take two people. If not, not then we take the 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 courts of the church. But then, if we look at Romans sixteen, and then specifically in verse seventeen, this verse really stands out. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For each person's do not serve the Lord Christ, for, but their own appetites. With smooth talking and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Um, specifically, if you look at the like the King James Version, it actually says, mark those who cause division. In other words, set the people aside that you see that are causing strife continuously in the body. And if we look behind what's going on with all this stuff, it seems to me that there are a handful of people on Twitter and on social media that are consistently causing strife within the body. So to my listener, I would say mark them in your mind and avoid them. Do not listen to what they have to say. They're showing themselves not to be your brother, but to actually be children of the enemy. 
they're causing division. And it, especially on things like this, something so obvious, you have the Caesar, the state, versus your fellow brother in Christ, and you're going to side with Caesar. Yeah. And they don't do it in any other country. I mean, yeah. when there's persecution in China, yeah, they they're not siding with China. Right. And and the other thing is, like, the, the guys, the people that were arrested, I mean, they went peacefully. Yeah. It's not like, to me, the Romans 13 thing would apply if they fought back. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, they went and did their thing, they sang songs, they got arrested for it, and they got arrested, like... But I'm, I think battle lines are being drawn, and you're show, these people are showing themselves to be antithetical to the side of the gospel. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you. We've yeah. had this conversation yeah. on the podcast. I mean, we've, we've talked about this, yeah. that, that basically, you know, we're in a different time. But I'm, I'm different actually going to— Because our main topic of this episode is going to be on com- communion, and I actually am going to go out there— Wait, on a, it is? Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, and my I'm actually going to go out there on a limb and say that if you have a grudge against a brother to the point that you're obsessing about that brother and causing division around that brother, you should not be taking communion. And every time that you we're not do, talking about communion yet, we'll save it. <laughs> <laughs> you, I know you're fired up tonight. I know I you're am. ready to go. I know. Yeah, he was already had, he was already two steps up on his platform. He's already two steps up. He's he's had coffee. He's got notes tonight, which is very rare. That's sure, how I'm if sorry. he if he comes prepared, you know he's fired up. So this is the most prepared maybe I've ever seen mm-hmm. seen you gear hardest. So I'm just trying to. Just I'm gonna tone to, myself down. Just need to get you to take a step back and hold it in for for later. Just don't get ahead of yourself. Let's stick with the with the topic at hand. And I know it relates, and you can you can relate it back whenever we get to communion. You know, one of the main points, and it just is what it is, I don't know how this applies. I hope that everybody listening will just give me some grace in this because I don't know exactly how to do this, but I don't think it's it's not sensible that someone would be frustrated whenever they see people rioting, no masks, they don't get arrested for no masks and all this kind of stuff, and then people singing psalms and they get arrested. So that's like you shouldn't be shocked that Christians yeah, are ups- upset by that. And so to see the reaction by some on Twitter is to, the, is to be Who are like, the Christian leaders, yeah, supposedly? Who would be like, oh, you should not be upset about this. It's like, why are you surprised people are upset? Like, have you been awake for the yeah. last few years? You know I mean? And, and again, maybe we should be... I'm not saying we should not be okay with persecution. We should be. We should be okay with being arrested. And from what I can tell, they were okay with it. They didn't fight back. They can still think it's stupid. I mean, look at what Paul did. I mean, do you think? I mean, Paul didn't go quietly into the night, and you don't I mean, think he got he arrested did it. every time that he won. But it's not like he fought. But I mean, he used everything at his disposal to defend himself, mm-hmm. to defend the gospel. He was very vocal, like he, he, and he, he did it to like, make a stand too. It's not like yeah, he did it just you know exactly. And Paul nilly. got arrested on purpose. Yeah, you don't think Paul ever got arrested on purpose? He went into cities deliberately, knowing what was going to happen. So. It's a weird thing. Like, of course, we don't know everything that happened with Paul, but if we know that happened, then we can say, well, they just did that, and they knew they were going to get arrested. It's like, yeah. That was the point. Yeah, no <laughs> Sorry, you'll have to bleep that. They, they, they knew what they were doing, but this is not like, th- there's nothing wrong with that as long as you are being peaceful. Like, that is a way to fight back against Caesar while also respecting Caesar because you're not overstepping your bounds by peacefully spreading the gospel. They were literally singing scripture, okay? So they weren't just giving some speech on their own, of their own words. They were literally speaking scripture, and they got arrested, and they went quietly. So what what are they saying the difference is between now and then? 
What do you mean? The uh, like between the? I, I have no idea. It's it has nothing to do with anything other than Doug Wilson derangement syndrome. That's all it is. I'm sorry. Yes. I mean, I know y'all don't want me to keep bringing that up, but that's what. <laughs> so it it's is. A, it's essentially the same thing that that the extreme left kind of does, where they know that they're wrong, they just don't care. Yeah. And they're just going to push through. Yeah, it is the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, it's that's it's, a, that's a big thing going on Twitter I, right now. My point was more of it's not just about Doug Wilson. It's about people that yeah, are more focused on calling other Christians out for things rather than fighting the actual enemies. Yes, agreed. Totally agreed. Yeah. You're right. That's a great point. I mean, it's like there are, it seems like there are reformed, almost apologetic ministries set up just to debate other reformed people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like you probably. are doing the body of Christ no good. Well, this is why, you know, most of reformed world and Presbyterianism is sort of left to be irrelevant. Yeah. It's irrelevant. There's a lot of losers for Jesus, and I have no problem with suffering. Like, I think that we're supposed to suffer, you know, in, in our Christian walk, but there's a way to uh, optimistically mm-hmm. win bigly by suffering. Absolutely. Uh, and so that's, to me, what we're what we're called to do, not to be losers for, for Jesus. So there's, there's just a big difference in mentality. And Speaking of which, Jesus did public stunts, too, to arouse the officials. Yeah, it's true. So anyway, I mean, we've we've talked about this a bunch. It's just funny how this stuff is happening. Like after after we've talked about it, there's like more to talk about on this yeah. topic, you know. So it at least is is interesting. I you know I hope I want things to go well. I wish all these people would get along. We've talked about this. I mean, I genuinely would like to partner with all sides mm-hmm. of of yeah. this of this aisle. I just am not thinking that that's very possible, and so until then, you're we have to with... pick a side, and you know, I pick a side with people that that fight, you know, that are willing to fight for the gospel, and and we'll we'll see. Mother Mother Moscow, it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not like moving there or anything, but and, and again, I mean, we've talked about this. I'm not that interested no, in Doug Wilson. No. This is not about Doug Wilson, um, our least favorite federal visionist. But it is interesting how, again. It's weird. The parallels between him and Trump are seriously like not to be understated because it's weird how much he seems to punch above his weight and understand how to, you know, rile up the right people. Even the fact that like one of them lives in Moscow and the other one is controlled by Moscow. Know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I know. It's, it's, totally yeah. a simula- it's totally a simulation. It's wink. so it's weird. Just, it's too, it's too perfect. So like. The thing about the like, you know, one of the I've things never thought of that one. That's honestly, good... the way I feel about Wilson and Trump are kind of similar. Like part of what I don't really like Trump. We we're having this conversation yep. earlier at dinner. I don't really like like it's not like I like Trump or whatever, but like I you end up liking him because of who hates him. Like you look at the, I don't yeah. look at what he does. I look at the people who hate him. Mm-hmm. Well, if those people like all the right people hate him mm-hmm. for all the right reasons. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, I guess I sort of for some reason must side with him in some way. Wilson is very similar. I have no like particular affinity. I don't I've never even read I mean, one of his and you books, ask, I mean, but all the right people hate him. Yeah, in the, the right ways the enemy of like, my enemy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Where it's like so he's got to be something that must be right here. You know, but it's just weird. It's just a weird thing. The critiques of Wilson are funny too cuz they're like he's too he's he tells people to have a lot of children and be masculine. It's like what is your I don't what is the critique? I mean, I get the federal vision stuff, but that doesn't hold weight. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Probably beating a, beating a dead horse. The, yeah, the vast majority of the listeners are bored at this, but bored by this. 
about by this by now, but you know, it'd be all right. That's okay. We're having a good time. Yeah. That's all this was. We ever gave him a about. short episode last week, so yeah, we did. they have to suffer through this one. We did. We, I wouldn't say we caught flat. We caught a little flack for oh. our Mount Rushmore episode. Would you call it flat? I mean, I, I kind of we we knew that was going to happen. I mean, yeah. it's but that was the beauty of it. Yeah, you're not going to ever make anybody it's everybody a, happy. It's a fun debate because exactly. we intentionally didn't outline what the parameters were because again, what were the parameters for Mount Rushmore? Nobody knows. Why did why did they pick those presidents? Do you know? I don't know. What number was Jefferson like the third? I don't president? even know that third. I could name the presidents. So like, that are you're on telling there. me that two of the four best were like two of the first three? Actually, probably. <laughs> That's how little I care about. Who is it. on Mount Rushmore, by the way? Those two. That's what I'm saying. Lincoln? Is Lincoln on there? And like Roosevelt? Like not FDR, but like yeah, Teddy. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt? I think that's right. Or, or Wilson. See, and T- Teddy. Teddy probably got on there because he started the national parks. Which are right? Wilson. Good point. It's not Wilson, though. No, he, he should be on there. <laughs> I mean, because he's the worst. He's one of so the that's worst. That's why I thought yeah. he might be on there. Seriously, I didn't know. So it's Teddy, I Lincoln. Think. I think. You think right, uh, how Jamie, long before BLM goes for the Mount Rushmore? Oh, they've already kind of. They already so, did. Yeah. Didn't they? they already went for Mount Rushmore. They've already They're talked not about gonna it. Get it? No. That the uh, that mayor, the the woman mayor, um, yeah, in South Dakota is like you know she's like wanting to put Trump up there. Oh. Plus, how response. would you even get rid of it? Like you'd have to get right, Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Teddy Roosevelt. Okay, so we were right. Yeah, Teddy makes sense because of that. But no, no, we don't want to get into why these people are on there. That's the whole point. We don't, we don't know why they were on there. They definitely don't deserve to be on a mountain. Well, it's just who cares. <laughs> the The Beach Boys, but it's recognizable. The Beach Boys are Teddy, right? Because they sort of started. They started music. They started all the American music, music in the world. Yeah, they started it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, yeah. I, uh, have you ever been? To, you've been to South Dakota? Did you recently? A couple go? times. Yeah, just a couple times. Yeah. Maybe three or four. It's on the short list of places to move whenever it, I no longer have connections it is, to where we currently live. I would say by far one of my top two or three states. Yeah. It's amazing. Number one, obviously, is somewhere in Wyoming near Kanye. Wyoming's That's, number one. Idaho's probably number two. Idaho over South Dakota? How yeah. come? Tell me more. Moscow? Is Moscow. That's good. That's helped move it up. Um, <laughs> no, it's just... It's just beautiful. It's okay. just it's incredible. Is it really? It you know really you know is. where Moscow's at in Idaho? Yeah, it's like it's toward the, the west, right? A, yeah, it's on the it's the, they call it the chimney top of it. It's in Washington's yeah. right there, right on the border. Yeah, yeah. Pretty nice area. Which one of those three that we just named, Idaho, South Dakota, and Wyoming, is the warmest? Probably the most southern, but honestly, probably Idaho. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Really? Especially yeah, if I, it's in the south of Idaho. Yeah, I would I would guess because you're gonna I mean Washington State is more moderately right climate wise than Montana right. because of that Pacific breeze or South yeah so it may sort of get that yeah I could be wrong South Dakota I think is probably the worst the coldest of those yeah. like gets the biggest those like, Great Plains winters yeah, yeah. that's the, that's the big, but isn't there something kind of a, for me is there anything romantic in your mind about that like a heavy winter I guess it's just because I haven't experienced if, it if you did that, not have to if 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 you spent the warm months like the old days preparing for the winter yeah. yeah and then stayed in your home absolutely that's what i'm talking about but like you but see what happens up there now is they have to continue on with their yeah. regular yeah. life yeah in this just like horrible condition yeah. that's a like good point that it would be a that's just so a if you were a homesteader it would yes, make sense absolutely yeah yeah i mean you would worry because yeah. like oh did i get enough like i'm sure yeah. there's a lot of nervousness yeah. there that like we're on this side <laughs> of it people that actually did that at some point would listen to this and be like you don't understand <laughs> you sound like a bunch of spoiled brats like oh wouldn't it be great to sit in my home all winter and they're like no we worried that we would have enough food 
<laughs> but uh, they've already read through the Encyclopedia if, Britannica. If, there were several. Times. If we yeah, were, there were several times were a, I was eyeballing the dog, <laughs> just <laughs> in case. If you were a homesteader now, and where you also had the option to go to the grocery store if yeah. you did run out of food, yeah. then that would be fun. You know, yeah. now that would actually be enjoyable to me. Like you get a fire going, you just kind of yeah. you bed it in. And I, I agree. Like being now, I will say this about cold weather: being warm. While it's cold like somewhere outside, else, yeah, is yeah. a great thing. Yeah. Like, like, mm-hmm. like if you're laying in bed and it, the room is cold, yep. but you're warm under the sheets, it's great. Or like yep. if it's freezing cold outside, but you're in like a warm house, and a fire, it's a great thing. But it's, I hate it's better than being cold when it's hot outside. Agreed. Yeah, but I hate the cold. Yeah, weather. Like, hate it. As far as like the 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 horrible colds, like we get yeah, yeah. Fi- colds, we get. Are, I'm fine with. But like, if if it's like you're talking like below zero kind of colds mm-hmm. and. No you know, few feet of snow. No. Yeah. Because snow, snow's not that much fun. Yeah. And they're, they're going to have that for four, five months. Yeah. In I a know. row. <laughs> and it's like mm. dark. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, that's what the whole like Black Mile to the Surface album kind of mm-hmm. is about that whole motif, the Fargo, mm-hmm. you know, kind of um, mm. idea, you know, Fargo. let us snow's that's piling a great up. Snow's great show pil- too, if you haven't watched that on FNX. Snow's piling up. Mm-hmm. That's good. Anyway. Yeah, the TV show is good. Mm-hmm. We just we're watching it. The new season's about to start. I haven't seen the newest one. The last season was the one with the UFOs. Was the, the one that I watched. Whoa, 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 hang on. The one with you and McGregor. Because we haven't gotten any UFOs, and if you just spoiled something for me, I'm going to be seriously. I don't think angry. so. I don't think because I don't. So. I don't remember. Well, it's been a while since I watched the first two. It's seasons. not a main theme actually. And we it's just a, now brought up the. We just now started watching the third season see, because I, the fourth season. I assume out. the newest was with. Okay. With the Chris newest Rock. is with Chris Rock okay. and um, what's that guy's name? Jason Schwartzman. Oh, He's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like him. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's... He almost know. was a recommendation for Song of the Week this week. Jason Schwartzman? Mm-hmm. What song? He has a... Uh, when he left Phantom Planet, he started a band called Coconut Records. I'm not familiar yeah, with that. It's, a, it's kind of a solo band, but... What TV show did he do? Bored to Death. Bored mm-hmm. to Death. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Yes. I watched that briefly. Watched that briefly. That was kind of like a. It wasn't that good. Yeah, it was, it was okay, okay, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't that good. I was. That was back when I think that was around the same time that Flight of the Concords was going on. Super into Flight of the Concords. Yeah. That show was hilarious. All right, we're way off the rails now, but you know that's okay. So let's uh, let's move on to our song of the week. <laughs> we took to Twitter this week. Uh, I guess you did, BG. Yeah, we had four. Poll Four questions. suggestions, and it was an easy choice for me yeah. as soon as I heard the song. I hadn't thought about this song in a while. Uh, I think this album came out like in 2015 or 16. And uh, it, so, but I wanted to go re listen to it as soon as it came out. So, the song we chose was Lampshades on Fire by Modest Mouse. Um, and we, we were just having a discussion about who's going to lead this. I think we decided on you, BG. Are you leading this discussion? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can I can try. Uh, I, the only thing I know about this song is that I like it. Great take. Yeah, I tried really hard to do research. Like, I actually looked today. I went to the Wikipedia page, and this is how my brain works. I went to the Wikipedia page. And, and then I, you got distracted, and, yeah. you ended up, and you bought some socks. <laughs> I saw the album cover, and I was like, that is an interesting album cover. I've never really thought about it. And I, I, it was it was an overhead shot of, like, an RV park in Arizona, and then I clicked on the RV park, and I was like, what's interesting about this RV park that Modest, Modest Mouse would take a picture of it? And then, like, I'm just looking at RV parks and <laughs> I completely forgot thing. that you were looking yeah. at the song. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just love Modest Mouse. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite early Modest Mouse album? 
Honestly, it might be this one. Oh, really? It really might be. Really? Yeah. What about you? Mine is Lonesome Crowded West. Really? Specifically toward the end, Bankrupt on Selling and Mm Styrofoam Boots. Oh, yeah. Great. Great. Mine's probably good news for people who who love bad news. Yeah. Love bad news. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is pretty good then because that's pretty varied. And I would honestly say if it wasn't uh, this one, it would be We Were Dead Before the Ship Even Sank. Yeah. That's that's number two for me. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love that. I love album. that but, one. Man, good news is just so like weird in great ways, and just I just love his vocals. I love his vocals. Period. Like, yeah. He, this is another great example. Like, I, who I don't know if he's like quote unquote good or not. Yeah. Like, I do he not. Fit, care. He's definitely fit oh, in the mold of the stuff that we could not care less yeah. about. Like whether he is good because it is. It is good. Yeah. Like it, it's just so unique and so, different. Honestly, he might be one of the one of the most unique voices in the last twenty years. So uh, especially of anything that's gotten moderately yeah. popular. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure somebody's out there like, oh, actually, there's this <laughs> band from New Zealand that you've never heard of. That. Uh, but yeah, that Blue Dolly's thinking that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably so. Shout out Blue Haldy. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, so this song is is obviously about climate change. Okay. Did y'all know this? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> this is what's so funny. Like, again, what you talk about is, like, how differently people yeah, listen, listen to, music. to music, you know, or whatever. Like, I could tell it was something. I could tell that they I could tell by the way he was singing it the first time I heard it that this was not just some random set of lyrics. Like, he's doing something. He's making a point. So yeah. pull up the lyrics, okay. and I will show you a couple of the places. It's not just about climate change. It's actually, to me, more at the heart of it about our, like, humans' ability or, or lack of ability to think outside of the present Yeah, is yeah, really yeah. what it's about. And he sort of uses climate change as a, as okay. a point to make as one of the things that will be an effect of that but it's more because this is a lampshades on fire and it's about basically hopping from party to party like burning out a party hopping to another party yeah. you know and all that mm-hmm. right so pull up the use up your resources and just keep moving exactly so i gotta get the lyrics pulled up myself because i don't i don't currently have yeah, them, packed so. up our cars moved to the next town which is kind of a a critique on the way we build cities too. Mm-hmm. We build cities and then we keep building these cheaper and cheaper buildings on the outskirts. Yep. These metal buildings and we, we throw overnight, we ditch them and keep building them. And out. we surround them with socialist roads and that's why we have too many cars and nobody lives in yep. an actual community. We built our towns around the socialist roads as opposed to building the roads around our towns like what happened in Europe. Yeah. You know, so anyway, that's a whole other discussion. Mm-hmm. If you don't follow Wrath of Non on Twitter, you totally should. That's a Do good you follow, follow him. Well, I just gave you another okay. follow, Wrath of Non. You would love it too, because you'll love the aesthetic. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, but anyway, so he's lampshades on fire when the lights go out, the room lit up. So he's, you know, they're talking about like a party or whatever. Uh, this is what I really call a party now. Packed up our cars, moved to the next town. So you know, then they're just parties over. They're going, and uh, he does it again. The next verse is the same thing. Well, fear makes us really, really run around. So the point is, he's kind of say he uses that line a few times. That fear, or I don't know if it's like not wanting to confront your actual life or not wanting to, you know, deal with your real problems, but some sort of fear is what makes us really run around. Mm-hmm. And then he says, this one's done, so where to now, right? So we're always mm-hmm. just trying to get the next high, the next dopamine hit. You know, so again, it's sort of a commentary on many things about modern humanity. Yep. And this whole album is, really, my favorite song on this album is Best Room. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that song yeah. at the, towards the end of this album, and that's what it's all about. You know, the all, the Western concerns are all I ever really concerned with. You yeah, know? I just mm-hmm. know I like it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing about the <laughs> content. <laughs> well, anyway, so 
that's kind of what this whole album's about is sort of again looking for that next dopamine hit in yeah. our current culture. So, but the 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 end is where you sort of get like, oh, he's talking about he at least makes a a like reference to climate change again. I don't think the song is a climate change song like We Are the World or something or whatever, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, some yeah, stupid yeah. thing like that. But it's a reference to just humanity's living in the moment, looking for the dopamine hit. The last verse he says, the air's on fire. We're moving on. Better find another one because this one's done. Waiting for the magic when the scientists glow to push, 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 pull us up. Spend some time to float in outer space. Find another planet. Make the same mistakes. Our minds all shattered when we climb aboard, hoping for the scientists to find another door. So basically, all we're going to be able to oh, we're going to have to hope the scientists can find us new planets because we're so focused on the 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 here, the now, the next thing that we are just ruining everything. Yeah, you know, we're just destroying everything. And there's a lot of truth to that, even though you know, say what you will about whatever you know. But there is a lot of truth in that commentary on yeah. on us, on modern Western society, which is like the the dopamine hit. You know, we yeah. only want the things that we can get now, whether that's social media, pornography, mm-hmm. whatever. Like these are the things that are taking over our culture mm-hmm. and they're destructive. The easy yeah. fix. Yeah. They're just they're and they're completely destructive. We're destroying everything in our wake just to get that next thing. I'm even looking at the I don't know which verse it is, but uh, as our feelings are getting hurt, oh, we want you to do the work. Our <laughs> looks great inside these jeans. Well, we just don't want to clean. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, uh, that I forgot about that. That's they great, have a very good, uh, a realistic view of humanity. They do yeah. verging on nihilism, on, but really, is, just they are nihilistic yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, Their other yeah. albums are. Mm-hmm. There's Go a ahead. there's a documentary that I watched about sort of uh, minimalism, and it actually talks about how Ugh. the clothing industry sort of is so destructive because yeah, it's just, it's gotten so cheap. Labor's, yeah. it's, labor's so cheap. Clothes are so cheap. It's all so disposable. And we have no idea what we're doing, what to do with all these old clothes that we've just yep. been burning through. Well, you know, that actually ticks me off because more people are waking up and going to like thrift stores and stuff. Now I can't find good stuff at thrift stores because <laughs> all the sorority girls are buying all the right. oversized shirts well, that Mac- I actually need because I'm oversized. Macklemore ruined that for y'all. Yeah. Made thrift shopping popular. Yeah. What were you saying about that line before you were interrupted? No, that was like, it. Oh, okay. It was just like even the, even the clothing industry has become so disposable. Like we're instead of this this idea of conserving what we have and making really quality goods, mm-hmm. it's just cheaper and easier for us to spend a couple hundred bucks every couple months. I don't remember which book this was from. I really like like dystopian literature. It was either this is either from a Brave New World or from 1984. I can't remember, but you know one of the sayings uh, Jamie I'm gonna get you to look this up as I say it tell me what book it's in one of the sayings they like make their people memorize is this and it's always stuck with me ending is better than mending I think this was 1984 ending is better than mending so the point is no I think this might be brave new world brave new world yeah because the point of brave new yeah, world is it's that, more of an entertainment yeah, based culture exactly. rather than the big brother principle exactly rather than like an authoritarian government so in brave new world one of the things they teach their people is that ending is better than mending so again the clothing or you look at the way our society is now it's very much that way yeah you, nothing is you don't work on things and keep them for 50 years yeah you buy something that's going to last you two and then you throw it away and you bind another one you buy another one. Ending is better than mending. So, like, you just were telling us before the show that your new house has come with, like, these old stereo, like, yeah. tube speakers yeah. and stuff. Like, that's the kind of stuff you could... They're how old probably by now? 60, 60 years, years old? old, yeah. And they probably still sound great. Yeah, I've, I've been told... to fix them if they yeah. break, right? Like, yeah. you have to mend them, 
but you can keep them for g- literally generations. Yes. I, I've, I've been told by a friend of mine in the music industry that these are some of the highest quality speakers that if I were to go out buy, buy them now, it'd cost me a fortune. Mm-hmm. And they were built 60 years ago. That's, Th- that's what I'm saying. So yeah. like, this is something we have totally lost in culture, and that's what this song touches on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, gear artist. No, I was going to say, if you like the, these themes, a good, there's another good song. by It's by Father John Misty called Total Entertainment Forever, where he talks about essentially... Never heard it, yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. Just about, just about us being overly uh, consumeristic, but then it's, he actually talks... He's like talking from the point of view of an archaeologist discovering us, and mm-hmm. we're like just these slothful people that are like plugged into the television all day. Like, yeah. It, I don't know. It just kind of rang bell with, with Brave New What's World. What's the song called? Total Entertainment Forever by John, I'll Father John. I like Nancy. him. Yeah. I've, I would, I think I like him. I've never really yeah. listened to him a lot. I think, I know I'm supposed to say I like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's one of those guys that like yeah. you have, you're supposed to be like, oh yeah, yeah. His, I, did, I don't I like Father his newer John. stuff to be honest, but, <laughs> but, I, I, but I think I would like him. I yeah. just have never gotten into him. But anyway, so Lampshades on Fire is, not only a great song like lyrically, which you know you guys are now seeing, uh, but the, the, the reasons, title makes sense now. Yes, right. Lampshades on fire. That makes sense now. But for the reasons that you guys already liked the song, uh, it's also a great song. Yeah. It's yeah. just great musically. Like it's so much fun. It fits very it, different. It's a very good representation of like their more upbeat songs. It is, it which is. I love. All which of they'll them. have like they have like three of these songs every album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you if you don't like Modest Mouse, there's like three songs in every album mm-hmm. like this. Like, like on a uh, on the one with We Missed the Boat. What's the name of that album? The blue one. Uh, we referenced? were dead before the ship. Yeah, we were dead. Yeah. Uh, I'm um, have to look up the song. Name, Dashboard. But, yeah, is on that one. You know, that's a very popular song of theirs. There's just there's always they've got these bangers on every. On every album that just really gets you going, miss the boat. They're yeah. just they're better than Float On. Yeah, so that's what I hate is that Float On is their favorite, oh, yeah. their most but, famous song, and Float On is a good song. But by the way. if it's the category that I'm talking about, though, it right? does yeah, right. Yeah, it fits yeah. that category. Mm-hmm. And Float On, though, if it had not gotten so popular and overplayed, it'd be a good. Song. We would. It's it's a great song. Yeah. like I do not absolutely hold that against them because it deserves to be popular. But that's not a perfect representation of everything that is Modest Mouse is yeah. all. But uh, you should go listen to Modest Mouse if you haven't. It's he's like sings with this a little bit of a lisp, you know. I don't even know if he actually. I've never heard him speak. I've never heard, seen an interview. I don't know what they. I don't know anything about this band actually, and no, I either. usually do. I usually get obsessed with this stuff. Where are they from? They sound almost like. Yeah, where are they from? They're probably just from America somewhere, but they sound almost like Scandinavian or something like that to me. I don't know. That was probably a stupid thing to say. We should cut that out so I don't get made fun of. I just want to know what it means to sound Scandinavian. <laughs> like Washington. Yeah, just from Washington yeah. City. So I mean, they're just from America, but I don't know either. They just sound they sound European. I, I put them in there sort of with like the hives. Mhm. That's what I mean, like where yeah. are the hives Those from. Go together. Look that up. Like cuz they're uh, they're probably from America too. If they turn out to be from America, I'm really going to be mad. I bet New York. <laughs> they're from Ukraine. The hives. That's going to make me feel better. They're from Sweden. Okay. Okay. See, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. That's mm-hmm. what I associate yeah. with them in my head. Yeah. Like that sort of like. Fair enough. That sort of sound. I know they're different, but that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The Hives are coming out with a new album, by the way. They're on Jack White's label. That'll be good. They have a single out. It's amazing. I'll check. I'll it play out. it after okay. this. After we get off the show, well, it's great. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, so anyway, I love Modest Mouse. I think they're great. Yeah, they're they're very interesting to me because they will have very 
vulgar songs too, where yes. he's just like he just leans into the vulgar, but not in like a grotesque way. It's just it's a very Tasteful. abrasive way. It's very strange. And nihilists usually really piss me off. Like I usually do not have any time for nihilism. I didn't know that. I thought you liked ni- you don't like. Well, I better be careful. You're pretty, Go ahead. You're going to be super literal. Um, what? I know Camus not really a nihilist. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> I like Camus, but he's not a nihilist. No, I know. Yeah. Okay, he's an so, absurdist. Yeah. So, absurdist is different. Yeah. Absurdist they is different. They definitely still deal with the negative they do, themes. But, they, but yeah. their conclusion is different, and yeah. that's why I like an absurdist yeah. more than a nihilist. And that may be where Modest Mouse more is. They may be a little bit more absurdist. It would make sense with their lyrics. It would, yeah, actually, now that I think about yeah. that. I hadn't really thought about that till now, but maybe so. But anyway. I will say, now that you've told us the lyrics and broke them down for us it actually it, it, i see even more how the music actually does fit to it because yep. they are the song feels Fast like a party pace. song yep. yeah mm-hmm. so it's it's it it's makes beautiful. it even better yeah yeah and you know for all of you out there hawk who don't care about lyrics this shows you how much more a song can be enjoyed if you care about lyrics although he does care about lyrics i'm gonna go out on, I'm gonna literally go. his favorite i was listening back to this episode the other day we're going to have to have Hawk back on because I don't think we appropriately called him to the carpet for what he did in that episode where he said he sort of called himself to yeah. the carpet and I think we let him off the hook because mm-hmm. of that. He was talking talking about not caring about lyrics and then said the reason he likes his favorite genre of music is because of the lyrics. Did y'all hear that like I did? Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> I was going to go out on a limb and say I, I it bet was, I would imagine a, It was Hawk, such a hot take. It was I thought it was performance. I, I would imagine Hawk probably would hate this song. I don't know. He actually kind of likes Modest Mouse. Oh, okay. Because they're yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think he likes interesting. I, I well, the funniest thing to me was when you were you got excited about Robert Johnson and he just like destroyed Robert Johnson's <laughs> guitar playing. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Teach yeah. his own. <laughs> That's right, man. Whatever. I'm with you. Anyway, good song. Uh, I think it's a great song of the week. You, I'm sure you'll play us some clips yeah. as we go through here. But uh, I, it made me get on a Modest Mouse kick this week again, and I really thank you for that because. I haven't listened to Modest Mouse in a while. They're just they sort of slip through the cracks for me. I don't yep. ever I don't think to go back to them. But I listened to like uh, We Were Dead. Uh, I listened to this album. I listened to uh, Good News. Uh, it's just such such good. I'm stuff. probably gonna go listen to the to We Were Dead. Yeah. At the new house tonight when I'm renovating. Yeah. Just the whole album again. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for our song of the week. Let's move on to the topic for this week. Topic of the week this week. It was uh, we've we've been in the group chat throwing out several things this week about what we wanted to talk about. We we argued a bit. We had a couple topics that we're putting down into the archives for later once we've got more information. Some of them were a little so insular that they may only be for the future Patreon supporters. Yeah, this 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 may have been the deepest we talked about what we were going to talk about. I think so. 
<laughs> I think so. Uh, and then we really ended up not being that yeah. deep of a topic, but we got deep onto what we yeah. thought we might talk about. And we got even close. We even had two votes at one point. Yeah. We were so close. Yeah, we were. <laughs> so we, we're, I'm telling you, that stuff needs to go to the Patreons yeah. only. So, uh, all right. So uh, Gear Hardest is going to lead us in this. I'm handing yeah. over the, <clears throat> whether I should or not, I'm handing over the hosting duties. You'll take them back. You always do. <laughs> Absolutely. Fair. From him, I do. Well, so, I'll take them back from all of y'all if you don't even know the lyrics to a song. I mean, I don't... All right, go ahead. Sorry. We thought about doing something a little less controversial this week, so we decided on communion, the thing that divides every Christian. Yeah, no controversy there. And for all, for all the TRs out there, realize what you're listening to. Like, take a step back, look hold at... Hold on, the, hold on, hold on. <laughs> cool it. You gotta cool your jets. Well, You're already gonna... getting fired up at the TR people. <laughs> yeah. We haven't even gotten into the topic. All you've done is tell people what the topic is, and you're already telling people to. He's got it in his wake up people mode. You yeah. heard that yeah. tone. You know why? Yeah. He, he said he was going to go get a, go get a beer, and yeah. he comes back in with a tall boy. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought he was just going to get one beer. We put him on prohibition. <laughs> yeah, so we prohibited him. From... So now I'm on one beer, which is a tall boy. No, you were on zero, and you <laughs> yeah, broke yeah, the prohibition yeah. actually. <laughs> All right, all right. All just, I was just actually cool your jets on the TR okay, people. For okay, now. all I was gonna say is we're not Reformed Forum. We are not a oh. theological podcast. Do not hold us to that standard. That's um, right. None of we, us. This is our opinion based on Scripture. It's not the Confession's position. Right. Go listen to you know Jerusalem Chamber or something if you want an RPCNA to the point on the you know no 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 exceptions kind of point of view. Yes. No. We're gonna throw some stuff around. Yeah, yeah, we're throwing some we're ideas. Loose, we're all kind of loose experiencing. I mean, uh, engaging with different ideas right now. Um, I thought we could start off with a text, John six fifty three through fifty four. Not not to make a theological point, but just to hear the words of Jesus about communion. Um, Jesus said to them, "Truly, truly, I say to you." Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So obviously communion is a great gift to us where we spiritually and mystically connect with our Lord and Savior. Um, and this is a point all of us agree on. Yeah. Like every Orthodox Christian, I'm saying. That's one of the yeah. beautiful things that does you know, hold us together, whether we're talking about holds us together with... Anglicans or Lutherans or Baptists or Presbyterians or Methodists, like we all take the, communion. The cup and the and the the bread and the wine, like that holds us together. So it's a cool thing. It really is on a serious note. But go ahead. No, I thought we could start off just talking about what are. But now we're going to talk about the things that divide us. What are well, no, <laughs> first, what what were your thoughts growing up? Like, what kind of environment? Did you grow up with when it came to communion? What were your thoughts growing up? Yeah, that's a great question that I was not expecting. That's a compliment to you. He asked a good question. It was a good question. Do you want me to go or you want to go? I'll go. Yeah. Exactly the same as it is now at our church. I mean, like, it was literally exactly the same. I, there were a few times I visited other churches, and, like, I, I think I went to an Episcopal church, and you drank from an actual mm -hmm. chalice. and you, you All from the same. Yeah, all from the same. Yeah. It was wine. But, like, I mean, down to the actual uh, trays, identical to the church I grew up in. I meant more of a that that too, but well, I mean even the age, all of it. What about the thought process behind? Yes, it? all of it was the same. So for me, I, yeah, I grew up, I grew up Southern Baptist, and so 
<clears throat> I was um, a professing uh, believer at an early age, and mm-hmm. so you know began taking you know in the, of course what in our age, church if you don't mind um, six. Yep, I was I was f- five years old <laughs> when I made a professional faith. Six, and was almost baptized. seven. Um, yeah. I think I was baptized when I was seven. Like I turned seven. Yeah. Um, right at you know right around that time, but. Um, so, you know, obviously in our church, you know, you, you couldn't take the Lord's Supper until after you were a professing Christian had been baptized. And um, so I remember it. I remember it being a big deal. I mean, it was I don't remember any direct conversations, any, especially anything theological about what this was. I, th- I think I grew up very confused, like not confused, like it actually troubled me. But I mean, if you would have asked me at. 16 years old to, to describe what's going on at the yeah. Lord's Supper, I would not have been able to. I don't think yeah. very well. Would you agree with that? I like, agree. I just don't think I could have told you. I knew that it was important. I knew that it was sacred. You know, I knew that it was a big deal and all that kind of stuff, but I just wouldn't say I would be able to mm-hmm. describe it for you. Well, yeah, and I grew up in a Southern Baptist household too, and it, you know, the as much as the Southern Baptist Church, and not just the Southern Baptist Church, but just most most Protestants have a memorial view that it's just a moment, like you're doing this in remembrance of Christ, and that's pretty much the depth that they take it. Even though that was the case, there still was a sense in which it was mysterious and held in kind of awe, a state of mm-hmm. awe. Yeah. It wasn't talked about that whole, like that much, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. It kind of, I still had a, an idea of mystery yeah, surrounding I think so. the supper. Yeah, I would agree with that for myself. And then secondly, has it changed? So we know Bourbon says that his hasn't changed at all. What, how would you, you think how you view communion? Has it changed? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was, I thought the question was, have, was the actual way you took communion when you were a kid? Yeah, I tried to clarify, and I said oh. the second time, I said, have, has your theology around communion gotcha. changed? Well, I'm sure it's been, I mean, I'm not trying to speak yeah. for you, I'm sure it's been advanced, Yeah, maybe not changed, yeah. but, yeah. you know, grown, mm-hmm. um, whereas I would say mine has both grown and changed Yeah, pretty drastically in mine some has big too. ways. Mine has too. All right, how has yours changed? All right, for instance, first of all, I want to ask you, BG, did your church, because I know the answer for for both me and Gerhardus. Your church, did y'all use the little crackers? They were almost like tiny, tiny Cheez-Its, but they were they were still flavorless. Like little squares? Little tiny yeah, white that's, squares. That's what my yeah. church yeah. used growing up. Mm-hmm. Did y'all use grape juice or wine? Grape juice. Okay, see, because we're, we're all in the South. We all grew up yeah. in Southern churches, so that's a specifically... Southern question. Yeah. To ask, I actually remember one time vividly. I know we grew up. We grew up Baptist, so I know yeah. it wasn't wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we know that there were the so there crackers. Was a chance. Yeah, there was still a shot that it was wine. Yeah, I, I I was back. Uh, we had taken communion one night. It was like a night service for I don't know maybe maybe Christmas Eve. I don't remember when it was, but um, I'd gone back behind the pulpit that night, and uh, whoever the deacon was had poured all the old wine juice into like a big thing, and he was like, "You want this?" And I was like, "Okay," and I was like, nah, and I just had like this giant jug of grape juice and I definitely should not have done that <laughs> but I was like he should not have offered me that <laughs> but I was like nine you know I'm I love grape juice. on that topic I'm totally fine with that I mean even if I wasn't as as a just it was just like leftovers it, totally okay. fine it's just it's just I've juice. always felt bad about that that's just my opinion nope okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna put let okay. you off the hook it's just juice it's just crackers. I apologize to our Lutheran and Anglican <laughs> and Catholic brothers they're not and sisters. happy right now they're not happy here's the thing <laughs> 
the here's the way I would describe it. Gerhardus, you tell me. You, listen, you're our yeah. seminarian. <laughs> you are way more up on probably the particularities of this stuff, and I may say something incorrect here, so stop me if incorrect I do. Incorrect in regard to Scripture or the confession? <laughs> in regard to Scripture, maybe. Okay. And you can, okay, you can okay, tell okay. me, correct me if my view on this is wrong, because this part I want to get right. To me, <laughs> to put it bluntly and maybe a little at the risk of being a little irreverent, the uh, the magic happens in the mouth. Like, yes. like that's where yeah. that's where the whatever goes on, whatever the mystery mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. what's happening here with the Lord's Supper. It's really a nice way of putting of ha- of how it, it happens there. So yeah. like outside of that moment, okay, it's just juice, it's just crackers, it's just wine, it's just it's just crackers. You can eat it afterwards. Like there's no reason to throw it away, really. Like if people want it, like you can if you want to. I throw away the crap we use. It's grape juice and like these, you know, <laughs> freaking crackers. It's yeah. not bread, that's for sure. Which we can talk about that in a second. <laughs> uh, but I guess I've buried the lead on my opinion on that. But yeah, so you should you you okay. can you, your conscience is off. Your nine year old conscience is off the hook. Man, you've been holding on to that one for years. I don't remember a lot. I want you that to was let a, it go. yeah, that was a thing. I just it stood out to me for a long time. Yeah. It really hold, it was really taking a yeah. burden on you, and you're like relieved. You look like a new man right <laughs> now. Thank you. <laughs> so anyway, that that is, I guess, that's one thing we can talk about if we, while we start to share our opinions. That's my right, opinion on yeah. that. Do you agree with that, your hardest? Um, yeah, yeah. I would probably. Be, <sighs> I agree with you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I would feel about just... I, I know there's nothing spiritual still connected to it. Well, then let it go. I, don't be legalistic. You're right. You're right. It really boils it, I mean, down. It really does you. boil down to I, that. I say that like bluntly, but like I, I'm with you. Like there, yeah. There's this part of you that feels, but I really think we need to let that go. Yeah. Because if, if we say theologically... Because I'm, I'm, I feel the same way. You feel a little weird. I mean, I've helped prepare the Lord's Supper, and like, you know, you're breaking the stuff up and everything, and you like, you eat it, and you're like, you eat like some leftovers <laughs> or whatever. You're like, should I do that it's nothing yeah because it's, just, it's but, just food on that same note then shouldn't you feel bad for just throwing it away in the trash yeah see that's what which yeah. there are some people that say that's like a more honorable thing to do in the same way that i think i've heard it said like in the same way they would get Catholic rid of catholic churches have a way of they the the font or the, the thing that they empty the wine into actually goes down into the ground and pours out on the ground so they don't waste it but so stupid <laughs> I mean, I, I will say this. I respect that they go to that trouble considering yeah. what they think it is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so like, yeah. I respect that consistency yeah. at least because based on what they think the wine is, they should do that. Yeah. That's so good yeah, for them. Do. Like, I, I, yeah. I've made fun of them, but, like, good for them. That's that's great, man. We're not going to get into the theological difference between nah. all the different churches on communion. We, nah. You can goggle that. You can, you can, yes. You don't need us for that. Mm-hmm. So we really wanted to talk more about not the what is communion, but the how should we be taking it? Yeah, the practicality. Yeah, of it, and this will. is the, and and I want to say this. You may disagree with me. Tell me if you disagree, or either if y'all disagree on this. But this stuff, I think almost everything that I'm going to say here, I really don't think um, is a. I don't think it matters in the sense that it should divide us. No, you know, like this is all. Having to, there are some things I think that are clear in Scripture. There are some things I think we're having to make some application from that I think it's it's fine, right? Either way. So like, the question would it's be just, it's just for know, fun. You know, we're going to talk about should we be standing? Should you be sitting? Right. Should you have you know all that? Obviously, if you're Anglican or Lutheran, you don't take communion the way we do. We just see it differently than you do. Right. We're not saying that you don't take communion. We're not saying that your sacrament isn't valid, and I personally am not even saying that I wouldn't take it that way if I was with them. 
I'm just saying this is the bit we're talking about the biblical way we think communion should be done. Right. And and again, we're not even saying that if you don't take it this way, because we're talking about the particularities, yes. like you said, sitting, standing, whatever, yeah. what the elements are made of, that if you don't do this, you're not taking a valid version of the Lord's Supper. Yeah, we're not saying that yeah, at we're all. We're not saying that at all. Like this is just sort of fun stuff where we're having to make all and some of this is even having to be sort of like extra biblical application of a principle we see, mm-hmm. but it's not a direct thing. So if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. Lead okay. Us. So we could begin with wine or juice. I'm pro wine. What about you? I'm either. Okay. All right, yeah. Gerhardus, what about yeah, you? Yeah, I'm saying wine. All right, tell me why. Specifically wine. Because wine is a symbol of the blessing of the Lord. It was also the element used at Passover, so it carries carries over. Um, not, only, not only that, but just when you look at the history of how we got juice and communion, it stems from the prohibition movement, the abolition of alcohol and... Welch, the 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 man who created the juice, actually did so. You know, artificially, he created a way to make grape juice just so alcoholics could take communion. Right. In other words, non-alcoholic juice did not exist that you could keep long and preserve for a long time. Yeah. So, in other words, it's an American invention taking grape juice and communion. Not even just a Protestant invention. It's an American invention. And a prohibition era invention at that. So it's just historically with that that kind of sheds a lot on it to me. But other than the fact that Jesus used wine and the apostles used wine, the early church used wine. I am completely on board with all that. That's why yeah. I said either. Like, and I feel like we're going to get into this a little bit when you ask about bread. But like, just as far as taste, like I just I I really love grape juice. <laughs> I like do too, but, <laughs> but we're saying like I don't biblic- really like grape juice that much. But honestly. biblically, but biblically, does it not just make more sense? Like, why are we going through these mental gymnastics to say, well, someone could be an alcoholic or whatever, rather than just taking God at His word and saying, you know, use wine. I mean, I'm definitely pro using wine. I'm just like I was saying earlier. I'm just also okay with using, um. Grape juice, if you want to, I'll use it if it's if it's offered. I mean, if it's the only thing that we can we can do, I just don't quite understand why. I, I don't really understand why either. If and I'm it makes being honest. and it's hard for me to even use like the weaker brother argument here because it's so explicitly biblical to use wine. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And even the effects of alcohol are mentioned in connection with wine throughout the Old Testament, that it brings joy, that if someone's sorrowful, that they should drink it. You know, yeah, all I the, agree. All these things that are supposed to remind us when we renew our covenant each Lord's Day with the Lord, when we take that wine, we're supposed to remember those things, that it's a blessing that he's giving us. Back what I just said. I, I'm going to take a little bit of a stronger stance and say that I do actually think it should be wine. And actually, I even think... If it can't be wine, it should be some other alcoholic beverage. Yes, that's what I was going to so say. So I actually think the alcohol is more, this may be a hot take. More important than the fruit of the yeah, vine. I think the alcohol is a more important element of it than the fruit part. And mm-hmm. so there are, so that, you know, one of the questions that gets asked sometimes is like, um, first of all, I would just say that like it's it's clear 
that Scripture is talking about wine. So mm-hmm. why would we change it? Like uh, to me, that's like very arrogant of us to just change it. Be like, well, it doesn't matter. It, we'll just use whatever we want to. Yeah. When it's like, well, oh, well, that's not what it what it what they used. And if you can use what they used, why wouldn't you use it? Is one one way to look the, at it. The only I I completely agree with that. I, and maybe I'm being short sighted on this, but to me. The difference between grape juice and wine is just unfermented. It's not like you're going with like Coke. Yeah, but we're we're or I orange think, juice. I think he's suggesting, and I would. Suggest I mean, that would be more that egregious. the alcoholic content is what matters, yeah. like not necessarily where the alcohol comes from, as much as the fact that it has certain when that you associate with wine, relaxing, calming, all all the things that we associate with the Holy Spirit. Peace. Also, in the book of Numbers, both wine and beer is, is offered up to God. Mm-hmm. So there's there's several other cases in, in Scripture of alcoholic beverages being offered. And so and God promises that he will he'll pour out a, a blessing upon us of wine and fat dripping things that well, you know, because blessings. the alcohol and the wine and the Lord's Supper represents rest in Christ. And so alcohol is a gift from God that he has given us that represents rest in him. You know, that the way you feel, the warmness you feel, you know, in your belly after alcohol, the warmness that you feel, the rest that you take after consumption of alcohol, those sorts of things are, uh, you know, that's part of, of what the sign is. And it's also a sensible sign of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Of, all, of all the things that we have said in this studio, I feel like the last five minutes would be the most egregious to anybody that lives in this state. You think so? Yes. <laughs> I don't, we've said some pretty egregious stuff. Man. The fact that, well, to make the alcohol the center of the element. Yeah. Yeah, and like why? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's probably true. Like it, may, like how it makes you closer to God. Like that's, man, there's people around here who would just... <laughs> well, it was a gift. alcohol is a gift from God, and it's a gift I don't disagree. Rep- so, so... I've been reading a book on this. I'm not going to say who yeah. it's by uh, th- on this whole thing, and and basically, you know, bread is for priests and wine is for kings. Mm-hmm. So the king, the, the wine represents our kingly function. You know, where we take the law of God and we're no longer just learning the law of God; we're applying it with wisdom. Like that's what we do as kings. We're kings in our family. We're kings in our churches. Now that'll we, come into play later too, as we talk about how we take it. That's a good point. Uh, that's a good point. I'll leave that there for now as we continue mm-hmm. on. So. Basically, I, I if you are living in a culture that does not have wine, like doesn't have grape juice wine, you should do, use some sort of not other friend. alcohol. You have some sort of alcohol. Do some sort of alcoholic beverage as opposed to finding, like I would rather take, um, I honestly would rather, I think it would be better to have beer with it than it would be to have grape juice, personally. Is that a hot take? Not really, <laughs> because hops, I mean, It's It's pretty hot take. <laughs> Where where do hops grow? I mean, they grow just. I don't. I mean, I just the alcohol is the more important part of it. I think. Yeah. It's my opinion. <laughs> we lose. Are we? Lo- you look like you're scared. We're losing listeners. No, not at all. I think he's scared because his world. <laughs> I think. Are you, are you just like shocked at what we're saying? That I mean, I've never I've never heard these specific. Don't fret. I had not either for yeah. a while. You know, just specific reading. I yeah. think if yeah. you just if anybody wants to do this study themselves. Type in the word wine in any Bible software that you have, even if it's well, this Bible is kind of the point, com. Actually, like yeah. the fact that I think I want to have this discussion is because I'm a little bit appalled that this is never talked about in any yeah. sort of detail. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that this should not be the first time like in our 30s that we ever like are forced to consider 
the other options of there's just so much and it just is yeah there's so much about our southern programming that we've got to overcome i mean open up uh, if you have strongs or even bible bible hub logos accordance whatever you have type in the word wine look at its occurrences in the bible and notice how it's associated there are a few instances where it reprimands drunkenness but every other time it is wine is a blessing strong drink is a blessing um and and even even scripture even encourages us when when someone is distraught to give them wine to lift up their spirits. My grandparents might have just like ripped those pages out. <laughs> yeah, that might be why I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I'm with. Well, it's just explained away usually. Is yeah. this is grape juice yeah. and that? You oh, know. sure. All right, so that's that's how that's our thoughts on the on the cup. Oh, it, I think it is um, interesting to point out our that non-theological thoughts. The Eastern and the Western Church, like the Eastern Orthodox and the the Roman Church, have always agreed consistently that it was wine. They disagree on a lot of other stuff, but I'm, yep, that's important to note. Yep. All right. Second, does the bread matter, and specifically, should the bread have leaven or yeast or no yeast? Okay. Eastern Church, so the Eastern Orthodox Church has always used leavened bread. The Western Church and the Roman Catholic Church has always used unleavened bread. So leavened bread and unleavened bread were both used in the sacrificial system in the Old Testament mm-hmm. for different purposes. Um, I don't have a problem with either leavened or unleavened. Here's where my particularity comes in, is it should just be bread. It shouldn't be a cracker. Mm-hmm. It should be like it's clearly bread. So yeah. I don't care if it's leavened. I don't care if it's unleavened. It's definitely supposed to be bread, and a cracker is a different thing, and that's not what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So like using a matzah cracker or like these the things that like we grew up with that you were talking about these mm-hmm. like little square like hollow things. Is mm-hmm. that what they were? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's yep. what we used. Um, that's not like that. It has to come from. It needs to come, at least in my opinion, from one piece of bread, like one piece that's broken up. At least it sh- at least it doesn't have to do- to, but if we look at at least at like the Didache, the early church writings, they they really emphasize the fact that as all the grain comes together to make this bread, so we all come together to form one body, and then that bread is then broken up and divided. Honestly, yeah, the- you would like the church that me and my wife used to go to around the corner. If this is your reasoning on. Well, I would. This is what they would do. That may be the only thing he would I know about that church. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, <laughs> I, uh, I don't think I don't. I wouldn't care if it came from li- the literal same loaf. But this is one of the reasons no, I I'm think some... we should make it, mm-hmm. like ourselves, and do it is because it would come from the same batch. But don't you so think, to speak? Don't can't you? Do you see that the individual like it has a very individualistic. Uh, way of presenting itself when you give everyone one little individual cracker rather than us all sharing bread together. Sure, but I mean, it could come, like, even the crackers, like a lot of people break up the crackers and give you broken pieces of a cracker. So, like, I don't like the individual things for what you're saying, but, like, what if you take a cracker and you break it up into a bunch of pieces and give it out? It's the same thing as one loaf of bread, breaking it up and giving it out. Fair enough. But you just you're not gonna get enough bread out of one loaf, is my point, maybe. Like it's gonna mm-hmm. have to be a really big loaf for some churches. Mm-hmm. And so that's why practically it doesn't it wouldn't bother me if it was from multiple loaves as long as you were explaining the significance of this as you give out the bread. Like what you're saying is correct. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I just don't necessarily care that it comes from the literal same loaf. Mm-hmm. But it'd right. be good if you could. You might as well if you can. 
But if you can't, that's okay. Gearhardis, do you have a take on leavened or unleavened? Um, it's a good question. Um, I, I I see the the argument for for leavened bread, but then also unleavened bread. There's a guy named Robert Latham. I wrote down some notes that I had looked at. He has a book called The Lord's Supper. It's called Lord's Supper, Eternal Word, and Broken Bread. And um, he proposes that the Western Church adopted the unleavened bread for the so that because of their view of transubstantiation, yeah. that when they would break the bread up, that it yep. would fall into too small of fragments or whatever. That's right. You know, so there's that argument, but then also if you look at uh, Matthew twenty six seventeen through thirty, the word used for bread is the term. Uh, I think it's asmos or asmos. The term for unleavened bread, it's or excuse me, that would be the one for unleavened bread. But the term that's actually used is artos or autos, the word for a small round loaf of ordinary bread. Mm-hmm. So it seems like. While Jesus more more than likely would be using unleavened bread, you would think for Passover, the word in the Greek is not specifically that. It's yeah. that of a small round risen loaf. Yeah, that's why I don't really care if yeah. it's leavened or unleavened because mm-hmm. it's it's unclear. Mm-hmm. And he likely used unleavened bread at the actual mm-hmm. you know first institution of this, yep. but. Also, like I said, both leaven and unleavened bread were used in the early church for in the early church yeah. for different sacrificial things. Mm-hmm. And so I actually would be okay with using both alternating and explaining the significance of of both mm-hmm. when you do this, you know, of what they represented. Because uh, there's like a cutting ch- off. And of, then of some churches and, actually will do leavened bread throughout the year. And then when they get to Lent, we'll do unleavened bread mm-hmm. to mark the time when Christ is about to die, the Passover. Um you know, I'm. Yeah. I, I think it's adiaphora. I think it shouldn't divide us. Right. At yeah. All. Agreed. Agreed. So let me say this though, and tell me this might be another spicy take. Tell me what you think about this. Let's talk about the frequency of communion. How often should we take it? Can I say this? I'm going to phrase it this way, and this will give you my opinion. I actually think that the Lord's Supper is the only thing in Scripture that we are commanded to do at every worship service, even over preaching and even over singing. We are explicitly, I'm not saying those aren't good and that they should be done because they should, but we are in a different way directly commanded to do this as often as we get together and not used, and preaching and singing is not discussed in that directive terms. It's more from inference singing and not from a directive. Isn't. Singing isn't. Um, I'd push back a little bit with Acts two forty two with the 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 fact that not pushing back against at weekly communion, pushing back against the idea about preaching not being necessary with it, because um, you know they were devoting themselves the apostles to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It seems to me that the Lord's Day, as it begins to occur in the New Covenant, is centered around a kind of um, well, obviously, all these things, but also if you look, if you read about like how worship, early worship developed, the synagogue ceremony, the preaching, essentially the reading and then preaching, became mixed with 
the sacramental system of the early church, which, like you're saying, communion came first, the Eucharist came first, they go they they became a twofold service where the first half of the service was the preparation for communion. So I think it's necessary. I think it is necessary to have at least a brief a, a brief period of reflection or confession, whatever you want to call it, before that taking. doesn't mean preaching though. Doesn't it, no, not necessarily. That's all, all I'm no, saying, no, no. and I'm just saying yeah. that to make a point. Not to no. say that preaching is not necessary, and not to say that preaching is not really what we should do on the Lord's Day. But what I'm saying is that in a different way, the Lord's Supper is explicitly, directively stated to do this. It does not say that about singing or about preaching. That's very true. About any time you get together, you are to do this, and so that's what I mean. And so the funny thing is, is that. We we would never shirk on preaching in a worship service, ever. Never. In the Presbyterian Church. But there are many, many, many Presbyterian churches that do not take the Lord's Supper every week. And I actually think that that's backwards. Mm-hmm. So that's just my take on that. So I mean, that's it's my take. the frequency is that we should do it every week. I mean, it honestly makes me... <laughs> kind of grieve a little bit to be honest i get kind of depressed talking about this i think satan does not want us to do it because it's directed from god from jesus that we do it Mm -hmm. and i think uh as we'll talk about it's the meal of kings and of queens it's the meal of the sons and daughters of god yeah and the fact that we keep our people away from it just so that it's more special to them is it's absurd it's a weak argument it's a very weak argument yeah, I mean, this is literally the meal that we're going to have when we see Jesus again, and when we when we're at the 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 meal in Revelation nineteen, we sit down with him, we'll dine and we'll feast. Yep. So, what do you think, <laughs> BG? Um, I would. I think I would do every week. I I, th- I think the reasons you've said. I also think when I was younger, I would always have these uh, moments of panic when I found out there was communion that Sunday and I knew that I had not been um, committed to my faith. Yes. And there was this moment of panic when like, should I be taking this if I'm, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? We'll talk about that too, maybe. And, and if you're doing it weekly, it ke- I think it... It keeps you on your toes. Yes. <laughs> well, I just think 1 Corinthians 11 is like ex- it's clear that we're explicitly told to do this as often as we get together. And we're not told that about, we're not told that about a sermon, we're not told that about singing. And so, to me, it's not up for debate. Mm-hmm. I, I, from Scripture, like from Scripture, it's not up for debate. This is, I actually feel, this is probably the only thing in this discussion that I feel strongly about. Like the wine, like whatever, you know, I have my, my, my feelings on it. The bread, you know, whatever, I have my feelings on it, but, you know, it's not. But, like, I kind of I kind of go to the mat about it needing to be weekly. The only arguments I've ever heard against weekly communion, and Gerhardus, you can help me with this if you want to, because you'll know more about this than me especially in the circles where we run being Presbyterian is it's a very, to me, all the Presbyterian at that, all the pushback directly relates to Rome and Catholicism. To me, Mm -hmm. it's a pushback away from Catholicism to where 
whether it was the fencing of the table that the Scottish did, you know, they would literally go to houses and give out communion tokens, and it took them time to get to every house, so they just did it like a once a year, twice a year. Which is completely unbiblical, by the way. But there's just nothing about that that's a, anything other than a historical argument. It's not a biblical argument, and this this is like clearly in Scripture and for in in First Corinthians eleven that that we're to do this, like it's an explicit command. I love how people pride themselves on that argument about oh, the Scottish Presbyterians, you know, went house to house to give out tokens to make sure people were worthy. But yet we... <laughs> it's, it's like we it's, still it's, want to take it infrequently, but we won't do the part yeah, of making yeah. sure people are worthy. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it's exactly. like we, we take that part of the of the, uh, of the the history, but not the, not the really hard stuff, you know, where we actually... Like, when do we... When, have you ever seen? I, I can say this with confidence, and maybe maybe you guys have seen it. Anybody in the room, even you, Jamie, I don't know that I have ever seen anyone be held kept from the table. No, never in my life, never. And yet, there's we we posture about it, yeah, big oh, yeah. time that we protect this thing. Oh, we it's really a mark like, that sets it, us apart as the true church. Yeah. But nobody's ever kept from the table. And if you look at, like back at like the uh, there's that book on that on like uh, Calvin stuff work in Geneva that like has yeah. all these old church records and stuff like they actually did yeah. keep people back you know from it. So at least they backed up what they you know believed about that stuff. But anyway, on the frequency we can leave that topic if you want to. But on the frequency, re- I think it should I, be. I kind of want to just reinforce that with reading Romans. Uh, excuse me, First Corinthians eleven verses seventeen. I'll begin there. Now, in giving the following instructions, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must, in fact, be divisions among you, so that those of you who are approved may be evident. Now, when you come together at the same place, you are not really eating the Lord's Supper. For when it is time to eat, everyone proceeds with his own supper. One is hungry, and another becomes drunk. Do you not have houses so that you can eat and drink, or are you trying to show contempt for the church of God by shaming those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? I will not praise you for this. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you, that the night the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. After he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for me, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup in the new covenant, my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For this reason, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. A person should examine himself first and set in the way. Let him eat the bread and drink of the cup. For the one who eats and drinks without careful regard for the body eats and drinks judgment against himself. This is why many of you are weak, sick, and quite a few are dead. So first of all, notice that the context is not examining self-examination over sin. It doesn't seem anyways. The context is disunity in the body. That's important to note. Also, he, t- he mentions about the drunkenness. So if it's not wine, why are people getting drunk? And then... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty clear. <laughs> there. And yeah. then also, he's saying that when you get together, it's not for the better or for the worse. Why? Because you're taking the Lord's Supper incorrectly. In other words, he associates them gathering with taking the Lord's Supper. So it's natural, natural then that we would... I guess, you know, I would assume that every time the early church met on a Lord's Day to worship, there was the Lord's Supper. Yeah, absolutely. For for our listeners out there, 
who maybe don't know why we do it once a quarter some places or once a month some places why what is the argument for that um people take basically two different arguments one is that it should be something special so because it is so important it is so sacred we don't want it we don't want to be callous to it which we don't do that for preaching yeah so. like the obvious argument against that is well is the word of god not special and sacred because we we use it every week so just because it's sacred doesn't mean we should be we shouldn't be worried about being callous yeah. to it like we should pray the spirit keeps us not callous to those things of the things of god I've always made the joke, like, which of the means of grace should we take infrequently? And for some reason, it's only the Lord's Supper in people's minds. The other is a historical, especially in Presbyterianism, like we were just talking about, is that there's a a, a direct Scottish link to, and I think a a post-Reformation link to um, taking it infrequently for for a myriad of reasons that I think those churches did. Which is is a literal theological fallacy to try to draw any kind of circumstantial evidence from what Puritans did, right. or from what even the Westminster Confession of Faith says. Right. If you don't find it in Scripture and you can't prove it, then don't don't claim that well, it's Well, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Is is there any spiritual, or is there any scriptural references zero, that people zero use spi- to back this up? No. No, zero. I've not heard one, and I'm really not trying to be disingenuous yeah. to a position. I would, li- I would like to hear it, um, but in my discussions about this over the years, I have only ever heard Pragmatic, basically pragmatic or colloquial arguments against it. Um, What about the idea of the table being fenced? Should the table be fenced? uh, Personally, I don't believe that it should be. I think that the only fencing that should be done is if if someone professes faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the the extent to which it should be fenced. We're going to have to talk about that. Well, Uh, viably professes faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just kidding. Well, still, we'd have to talk about that. There are people that would disagree with you. Um, of course there would. Uh, I mean, uh, close communion is a thing in certain denominations, sure. even Presbyterian ones, but the PCA where we're, we're at. But but also I just think it's the body. It, it be, The meal belongs to the sons and daughters of God. So if you're a son or daughter of God, I believe that you belong at the table. Yep. I, I agree. I don't think the table should be fenced. I think that the... Um you know, fenced, so to speak, as you hear that a lot. Um, I think that the confession of sin in in the worship service. Would, where does that come from, though? What fenced? I don't know where that's that comes not from. biblical. I've heard that a lot. There, <laughs> I, I don't mean, know where it comes. I mean, from, I mean, really. I mean, you shouldn't let people that are obviously in sin eat from eat at the table. But fencing presupposes like almost a hierarchy where elders are some somehow the ones who really get to decide whether or not you're worthy to partake of the sacrament. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think Paul admonishes people to take care of their sins. So whether that mm. sins with the body or yeah. personal sins, you know, might be at least slightly debatable which one. Yeah, but I, clearly, yeah. they're supposed to take care of their sins before, it, um, before coming to the table, right? Well, in think, some but, manner, yeah, yeah. You know, in some manner, even if you're whether it's you're sinning or you're sinning against the body, whether it's disunity or it is personal. Well, I think sins God. I would push back of, and say that God always pre- pre- prioritizes sins against other members of the body over individual sins. Yeah, I'm just saying does, it might yeah. be both. Yeah, it could be both. I, I would yeah, definitely yeah. not exclude sins against the body. Ever. Right, like, but I, I just think that in the Christian church we do such a bad job of addressing sure. per, uh, individual sins against each other. Right. We're it's easy for us to say, okay, sitting there for 15 minutes and. Yeah. Pray about how you've offended God the last week. It's a lot harder to get up out of your seat, walk across the church, and go tell a brother that you've been gossiping about Absolutely, it. absolutely. I completely yeah. agree with you, and I certainly agree with your 
um, desire to put the emphasis there. And I think you're correct that that's where the emphasis would be. But I'm just saying that it could yes, also yes, be... Yes, confession you know, of sins both. obviously important. And I'm just saying that to say that like pretty much that's all the fencing of the table that there needs to be in the sense that whether it's the unity fencing or whatever, the only fencing that needs to be done is what we see Paul admonish the Corinthian church to fence, which is to take care of your unity, take care of your... Mm-hmm. that you're not taking it in an unworthy manner. And he, and, he, and he doesn't address that to the elders. No. He addresses that to, it seems to be the... The church, the individuals to do. And so uh, that's another thing that kind of bugs me a little bit about the, the way that we, the way that we, that's, and that's another reason why people end up making it infrequent is because we need to be so careful about fencing that we need to take it. Not, not every week, because if we're doing it every week, that people are going to slip through, you know, you're going to get used to it. You're not really, you're not taking it seriously. You know, you're not fencing. So, but I, I don't, I don't agree with that. All right, is there anything else controversial that we want to discuss about yeah, communion? Yeah, well, not controversial, but standing, kneeling, reclining. Uh, not kneeling. Not kneeling. 100% not kneeling. Preferably. Why not, not kneeling? Uh, because kneeling is a po- is not the posture that the Lord's Supper is supposed to be at. I, I'm fine I'm pretty much in worship. The only time I think anyone should be kneeling is in a confession, confession of sin. sin. If no. That would be an okay posture for kneeling. Otherwise, especially with what we're doing in the Lord's Supper specifically, is you are you are dining as a king. This is a this is a like small taste of what you will have in heaven, and we will not be kneeling at the at the at the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so. But also, uh, John John six eleven says that Jesus took the loaves and having given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. Likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. Not yeah. necessarily that that's, you know, a definitive command. No, but I, that, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say it's a command. Yeah. Because, like, if you are in a room and there's, like, say it's there's no yeah. seats, it's standing room only, yeah. like, it's fine. Yeah. But preferably, preference would be to sit. Um, in a relaxed position. In a relaxed position. Actually, the most the most preference I would have would be to be seated, like, around a table. But that's reclining, not, not like like the guys in the paintings that are eating the olives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. But practically, it's not it's not possible. I think the reason that around the table is important is that we should be seeing the people who are we're in the body mm-hmm. with. You know, mm-hmm. as we do this, because it's all it's a corporate thing that we're doing, and it's hard to do in pews. But pews do allow you to sit, so that's a that's a perk. Um, and I do think you should be seated. I just I guess I, I the reason I kept pushing back on the the unity thing is how much we make communion such an individual I agree. experience rather than a covenantal meal. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I think your your desire to put the emphasis there is good. Yeah. But yeah, so that's my thoughts on the seated, seated standing, kneeling. Seated is the preference. Now, we've saved the last, the con- most controversial for the last. Who should take communion? All of those who are in the covenant. You can take that however you want to. Okay. You're not going to get me to get too controversial on this podcast. Okay, I didn't know how. Par- I'm how a PCA ruling elder, so you know I default to what my vows are. Okay. Is All that right. what you want? Sure. Why don't you answer the question? I would say all those that made it have made a credible profession of faith. My son was six when he walked up to us the first time and me and my wife and started asking really serious questions mm-hmm. about his heart and his soul 
and we sat down and talked to him and afterwards like it was pretty obvious he had made a legitimate mm -hmm. um confession and i think i don't remember if we had if i talked to op sleeper about it um but it was one of those things that we asked like when can he start doing this because I, I i know there's a i know there's a limit to it but i, I kind of feel like he should be able to take it now and what was said? What was said? Yeah, tell me you're is leaving us on a cliffhanger. I really Should hope this he's be patio talk or uh, it could be patio talk. I mean, it was just like once he's gone through, um, what what's it called? The Catechism. Class? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think we're gonna was. have to make this patio talk. Yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't on the show anymore. Like yeah. it wasn't from him saying that. It was just like he was repeating what's what the rules are. Okay, that's fine. We yeah, can yeah. talk about that later. I don't want to talk about that. All on the right, show. Yeah. guys. Um, well, <laughs> if you're Scottish Presbyterian, you did this to us. Now, so there are people who are, you know, uh, well, I mean, while we're on the topic from the intro, I mean, Doug Wilson's denomination, the CREC, they're, yeah. they're pedo-communionists. So they would say that anyone who's been baptized is what they would say, right? They would say all who have mm -hmm. been baptized into the covenant are allowed to take communion. So I would like to that think that my position is like a halfway position between I would say so. the standard Presbyterian and then the pedo. Uh, I, w I think it would be common, like you're saying, probably five or six years old, you know, if you're in a covenant household, you're being trained properly, that you could articulate faith in Jesus Christ. Um, according to your level. According to your level. Yeah. I mean, that literally, according to yeah. that literally you might be able just to be Jesus died mm -hmm. for me or Jesus made me. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't really require much. Jesus said, come to me as a child. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really make much more sense to add on catechesis or anything else. I will you know? say this. I'll say this because I don't think I can get yeah. in trouble for this. <laughs> um, in the same way that I referenced earlier that I have a lot of respect for the consistency of the way the, Catholic, the way Catholics get rid of the wine that's mm -hmm. left over, mm -hmm. even though I disagree with their position, I have the same type of respect for pedo-communionists and the logical consistency with which they apply it to the covenant and why they do what they do. Yeah. Whether I agree or not, they are dogmatically consistent in that they believe the way that it applies, like what they believe about what what the who communion is for and what baptism is. They play it consistently. That's consistent. Saying. Yeah. Um. I would say that, and also to mention, since we've been talking about like there's the Eastern the Eastern Church versus the Western Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church has always practiced pedo communion. Yeah. In Greek Orthodox churches, that's only right. Only the Roman Catholic, and then the Protestant churches following off the Roman Catholic Church. I will say this also. I'm not saying I, I. I'm. I'm not. I can. I can say I'm not a pedo communionist. You know. Yeah, but yeah, I'm just yeah. saying the reason I can. I'm yeah. trying to step on eggshells is because I'm probably more sympathetic to it than most people, and even yeah. that can get you in trouble just even being sympathetic to it. Yeah. I think that most of the um, dogmatic pushback against pedo-communion, like people being so against even like a six-year-old, come is totally just a pushback from Catholicism, from the idea of baptism, uh, of regenerative baptism. Yeah. No. and the, Because like you're saying, the Eastern Orthodox Church has practiced this for forever, mm -hmm. and it is not connected in their minds to Catholicism at all. No. But no, it is for the Western Reformed. Like, for Western churches, everything that we do, you have to look back at how was this a pushback from Rome? Because that's how, like, that's how the, our churches came to be. And there are some things that we do... And reactionary that, is not always yeah, better. that's right. Some things were, are great, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm in the Reformed tradition, but I'm just saying there are some things that we do that you can just clearly see are historically reactionary 
from Rome and not does not mean we should have thrown out the baby with the bathwater. No pun intended with the pedo <laughs> talk, but um, or the or the infant baptism <laughs> yeah. talk. Wow, that was a little better than I yeah. even realized. Uh, but it doesn't mean we should just throw it all out, right? right. That's all right. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I'm sympathetic, and I think it's consistent. Yeah, I'm not a pedo communist either. By the way, just in case anybody wants to call no, our presbytery, you, you already said you were. Okay, I've got a question, and it honestly, once I ask it, it may be a better just full blown topic, but I'm going to ask it. So. In the past, I've kind of noticed that the way human civilization used to study science and history was very much, this is what we're going to believe unless it's specific, unless we see very clear evidence that it's not true. And once we got to America, the scientific process very much became nothing is true until, it's, until it is specifically proven to be true. And it feels like the American church has done that too. Like the American church has followed that line of logic to say, uh, unless it is specifically stated we, we it is not true versus I'd have to put some more thought into that but on the surface that's it. it's a good observation but I you know that's after five seconds of, yeah. of thought but yeah it seems to be because that seems to be kind of where a lot of this discussion lies yeah a, a kind of a feeling like you have to build Rome by yourself rather than realizing that people have already began the process before you yeah it's almost like you have to reinvent the wheel yeah I see what you're saying, yeah. Well, there you go. You got anything else, BG? I think it's time to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. BG, your hardest. What are, BG, too, you got yeah, anything I, else? I gotta, what, what do y'all think it would take to get Opie Sleeper back on Twitter? Well, it's been hacked too many times for buying coasters. An Oakley so. sunglasses yeah. sale. <laughs> so, you know, it's nothing. You know, we made it. Never mind. I'm not even going to do it because we need to make it through one episode without without references. But that's okay. One One time we can make it through. So... Uh, anyway, good show. I enjoyed it. It's a good talk. I, I hope, I hope it was, I hope it was at least like moderately edifying to anybody listening. Yeah. It's, we're having a lot of these discussions right now among each other and just sort of interesting stuff. And, uh, it's, it's, I think this was honestly spawned a little bit from COVID, you know, like the Lord's Supper was back in conversation because either churches aren't having it as much anymore because of this, or like, you know, the live stream COVID, I mean, the live stream Lord's Supper stuff from COVID was like big. And TGC even was writing, Big Eva mm-hmm. was writing articles about it. So it's back in the conversation. The particularities of communion is in conversation. So that's kind of what's gotten us talking about it, or at least gotten me more um, more studied about it recently than I have been. And so that's why we ended up deciding to talk about it this week. So hope you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed it. Thanks for all your uh, hard work on the doing the legwork, Gearhart. Yeah. Well done, man. It took me like fifteen minutes. I have all these, all the stuff that I've written. I just copy and paste it all. Yeah, over. that's good. I mean, it was, and you led the discussion well. You yeah. even hosted well. The Thank tall you. boy didn't it. even affect you. Yeah, that's it true. Was, it good was good. Point. My hello, wow. special. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you uh, hope you enjoyed it. Keep listening. We'll see you next week. See you on the see next podcast. <laughs>